fell today, securing a third straight week of losses, which is seven of the last eight. After the sensational jobs report today, but it seems like bad news is going to be good news, or good news is bad news, and that's where we are today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to BHS Live. I'm your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith, out in sunny and hot Scottsdale, Arizona. And Toby, the Fed is on notice right now. This is the last jobs report before the Fed meeting later yeah. in the month. What are they going to do now? 50 basis points or 75? Because Wall Street is just as confused. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I was confused this morning when the, the data came out and the Dow was up like 300 points and we happened to be short. So I was a little, you know, jiggy about that. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, this in the summertime, when these low volume, everybody's on vacation, I'm on vacation, you know, the trader, big money, trillion, two trillion dollars of hedge fund money, and particularly algo driven, in other words, robotic rules based. Something that they, it said in that report made the algos buy. Yeah. But when the actual human beings looked at it, they said, well, wait a minute. We now have, we've given up the Fed, you know, pivot. Jay Powell, my friend Jay Poe, Jay Powell, <laughs> he has got religion. He's become Paul Volcker uh, 2.0. Yeah. And he's now a, a history buff. And he clearly have said now in the last three to four days, read my lips. I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and history taught us, this was his exact words, history taught us in the 70s that if we don't smash down inflation, that it's the biggest mistake you could make. And I am not going to make that mistake. Right. Well, that's, that narrative has changed. So now, 30 minutes into this run, a 300, 400 point run, the actual human beings who are still so unworthy that they're still at their trading desk and they're not out in the Hamptons or you know, flying around on a private jet. So wait a minute. This this report said that the, the economy is strong enough to make these rate hikes because according to Jay Powell, we're going to uh, lose some jobs and we're going to have some you know, recession because that's the only way we're going to get that down. Oh, we're we not going to stop until we, we haven't seen we haven't seen the job losses though three hundred and fifteen thousand yeah. new jobs in a month of August and this is on top of hundreds of thousands of new jobs all summer long and I don't get it. I mean, you have the Fed that's trying to tighten, they're trying to slow down the economy. People still go. Out and continue to spend. And here you hear you have this jobs market, and we keep hearing that we're in a recession, but you're creating hundreds of thousands of jobs. It just doesn't add up. Well, let me, the Fed wants job losses, they're just not yeah, getting correct. It. The Fed wants the stock market to go down, they want the re reverse wealth effect. They absolutely want housing prices to come down because, you know, as we said all during the summer, 29% uh, up to 31%, depending how you measure it, of the CPI and the CPE is housing related, mm -hmm. or, you know, they call at shelter costs. But let me throw another one here. Okay. Clearly, what concerns me the most, and where I think Wall Street has their heads directly up the wrong part of their body, is <laughs> you look at the sales numbers, and it's great. You know, it's up 6.9%. That's without inflation. This is six, when inflation is 7.1% and your sales are up 6.9%, you actually have negative sales growth. It's the same thing on profit growth, or excuse me, on revenues. So revenues are, are up 6.9% year over year, you know, let's say June 2021 to June in 2022. But after inflation, they're down. So the difference between nominal, nominal simply means what the number is, not adjusted for inflation. And adjusting for inflation, we have been in a, in a recession on an inflation-adjusted basis for more than a year. And, and that's where I think people have completely missed the deal because earnings, well, you know, real earnings, when they come in for this quarter, are going to be lower than they were year over year before. We have a earnings recession on already on after inflation. But now on nominal, we're seeing the pullbacks. But we, we right, 
but forget about the jobs, Todd. I mean, you're hung up on the fact that there's 11 million people available for work now. Uh, excuse me, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, 11.2 and then 5.5 yeah. million. 11.2 million jobs available and 5.5 million people looking. The yeah. news that came out about wages being, you know, a little bit down, that was, I think, the sort of the thing the algos related to, because in theory, wages were down year over year, and that would be disinflationary. Right. It's just the other stuff took over. So finally, the like the adults in the room took over at about 11 o'clock East Coast time. And you just saw it just peak and it hit mm -hmm. the, you know, it hit the, the 50 yeah. day and boom. It, and the algo said, sell, sell, sell. And that's right. Our, our short positions went green. So here's what that's I right. Tell here's me. The truth. We make money shorting the NASDAQ and the SP 500, but our Brexit positions, everything from ammonia to natural gas to nitrogen, all the things yep. were up like green, green and our uranium. Yeah. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but all of the stuff <clears throat> that the West now has to have and and it can't come from Russia and it can't come from Ukraine and everything that $10 per thousand BTUs on net gas today in Europe, the Russian pipeline just shockingly is not able to be turned on after three days. I mean, I'm shocked by that, Todd. Yeah. It's a Brexit world for investors. And the great thing about it, the Brexit, you know, the Brexit, all the stocks in the Brexit world that we follow probably comprise 4% of the market cap of the entire yeah. S&P 500. So, so you had yeah, you had a Dow that, that nearly touched, it was down almost 500 points. We did uh, yeah. rebound slightly in the final 15 minutes or so. So that's a signal that usually you have some institutional buying that's taking place going into the close. Still doubt that Dow was down over 135 today, third straight week, which we had mentioned before. The question remains next week. You don't have a lot of macroeconomic data. Clearly, you have your weekly jobless claims, but not a lot that's happening. So that, and this is the final week coming up that the Fed can actually publicly talk um, about, yeah. about what they're going to do, what they're thinking, possibly with interest rate hikes coming up in that September 20th meeting. But I got to tell you, there's not a lot to move the needle, except you're going to have more volume, heavier volumes coming into play next week. But for, if you're an investor right now, you're just scratching your head. You don't know where we're going. I mean, you get a yeah. decent jobs number, but decent. It was okay. It was good. It was there. You know, like you mentioned, it's back and forth. You know, you could find, you could find your negative points or positive points, but there's nothing there. It's almost like the perfect Friday before Labor Day jobs report. Now the question is, what happens next week for an investor? Well, How do you play this going into to the final quarter of the year? I, I, so I think obviously you need to have the macro picture correct. And the macro picture is now certain on a number of issues. We're going to have 75 basis points. We're going to be at four and a quarter to four and a half percent by January. That's for the Fed funds rate. So if mm -hmm. the Fed funds rate is four and a half percent, the interbank you know, lending number, then mortgage yeah. rates are going to be seven percent. And wow. credit card interest is going to be, you know, even for the high quality one, is going to be 11, 12 percent for oh the the people 650 FICA score and lower, it's going to be 15, 16%. We had the most money go on credit cards in the last three months than we've had in recent history. Um, and all those rates are going to be higher. So that pinches everybody. Yeah, mm -hmm. gasoline is down, but holy smokes, that yeah, the rent, the mortgage, the food costs, the all that is, is not going away. So we have secular inflation. And the macro picture is good news is now bad news. Yeah. Because if it's good news, news uh, on jobs or it's good news on uh, production, th that tells the Fed that they have to do more. And it yeah. was the reverse for, a, you know, it was reversed for 12 years, right? The entire market was, oh, things are going bad. Doo -doo -doo! 
<laughs> I'm the Fed yeah. and I'm coming in and just let's throw a couple more trillion dollars at it. And right. everybody got that muscle memory, Todd. Everybody got that yep. muscle memory. And you got to yeah. wipe your slate clean in your head and say, we are on a completely different macro world. We're in a completely yeah. different geopolitical world. Um, you know, from 2010 to 2022, we didn't worry about the Russians invading people. We didn't worry about freaking uh, nuclear energy spill in Ukraine. We didn't worry about, you know, the fact that in the UK, they are paying 10 times what they paid uh, for energy, for, not only just for, for petrol, yeah. uh, but for natural gas and for their electricity. It is going to be a disaster in the EU. The, the recession is it can't be a mild recession when the cost of living has gone up 30% mm-hmm. for the household. I agree. Not making 30% I agree. more. Yeah. That's what the world now has to process. And, you know, I always sound like Simon Legree. It's fantastic for North American companies that have $2 natural gas pouring into their ammonia plant and their fertilizer plant and their chemical plant and so on and so forth. These are companies that sell for two or three times their earnings. Their earnings are up five, six hundred percent. Then the other macro thing you have to get correct is how long is this war going to end? And if you talk to everybody and certainly my CAA guys and people that we're pretty close to in DC, this thing's not going anywhere. I mean, right, it's, right. it's not going anywhere. It's so, not going anywhere. And it's going to lead just to a, into a very volatile September as we've seen all summer anyway. And yeah. I, I would and imagine September's you're the worst, it's the worst year for stocks. It's a month for it, stocks anyway. So. It really is. It really is. Yeah, our friend Jeffrey Hirsch would be the one to uh, actually confirm that. That's for sure. So we'll yeah. have, we'll have to see how see how it all plays out. All right. Well, listen. Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about this. In California, they are now going to require uh, non-gas cars. Actually, it's all electric cars to be sold starting in 2035. Right, Toby? 2035. You're a California guy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it's going to it's going to be something else. So no more gas-powered cars are going to be sold, and we're going to talk about that. Yet the state just said, hey, you can't power your electric car. But we'll tell you all about it right after the break. Please stay with us. Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Naomi Knight. Through a roller coaster journey, of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. 
We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Welcome back to BHS Live. I'm Todd Schoenberger, joined by my fellow co-host, Tobin Smith. And Toby, you're a California guy. In California this week, talked about how starting in the year 2035, they will no longer be selling gas-powered cars. It's electric, electric only, and that's it. There will be gas stations there, but that's only for the cars, I guess the legacy cars. Yeah. Going forward, There's only uh, you only have the electric ones. But here's the problem. Then just yesterday, you had the state that came out and said, okay, um, guess what, guys? For four or five hours, today we ask that you do not power your electric cars because it has so much such so much pressure on the grid the problem is is that what's going to change in 2035 because you cannot electricity is one of those units that is only created when it's needed it moves at lightning speed you can't store electricity so what are you going to do in 2035 if the state of california comes out and says this what do they think are they going to have some coal mining plants built well first off my baltimore maryland friend uh <laughs> <laughs> Energy is storable, and about six percent of California's power is stored uh, by PG&E, by the Edison Company down in Southern California. My my dad was the economist for the Southern California Gas Company back mm-hmm. in the day, so I've always followed the, elect- the electricity and the gas in California closely. There's three things here. Okay. Number one, this is a positioning statement for the state of California. They want to position themselves as being on the renewable uh, power thing, and Mazel Top to that. I think obviously that's important. Number two, they closed two nuclear power plants. They did not tear those nuclear power plants down. And now that nuclear power is all of a sudden people have pulled their heads out of their keisters and said, oh, wait a minute. <clears throat> it's the cleanest energy. It no, has no carbon footprint. It's the lowest cost energy. Now, suddenly, now they're going to refire up two of their the power plants that they closed down. And I guarantee you, they're going to add some additional ones, the small ones. You know, China has 350 small, the new modern nuclear power plants under construction right now, okay? Which is, by the way, why we own uranium. This is a positioning statement, Todd. This is putting a line in the sand. I thought yeah. we were going to talk about the fact that there's a bill in the California legislature that says you have to pay a burger flipper $22 an hour. That, no. that was mind-boggling to me. But that, that is crazy. But but you, you know, California has, remember, the whole Enron thing, going back to Enron, was that they were gouging the crap out of California because they didn't have enough power in these, you know, high power things. So, so they would take, they would sell in the real time because Enron had a big trading desk for energy. You can fire up a natural gas or coal powered power plant shoot that to California, you could sell it for 30 times what you paid for because they had no other choice. Right. Well, they they got, you know, hosed by that a lot. And so they they came to some, you know, some conclusions. When you get to 2035, and I'm not sure I will, but I know you will. The, the, oh, amount, of, the amount of solar, the amount of, high, you know, green hydrogen, they are so committed to this that I guarantee you the problems they're having now is about drought because their big reservoirs that give hydropower are at, at 100 year lows. And so they know that they can't depend on Lake Mead now. They know they can't, you know, the Colorado River uh, uh, water has been cut 40%. Yeah. So they, they don't have any choice. Remember, California yeah. was founded, particularly 
Los Angeles County was founded on stealing water from Northern California. That That's how it worked. Because before that, there was not enough water in Southern California, you know, to uh, make a burrito. <laughs> the, the, they've had energy problems and water problems since the place was founded. Yeah. And they will add more nuclear. Um, and the Greenies are going to have to, uh, you know, have a stalemate here and say, okay, if Japan is now opening up all the nuclear power plants they closed and they're adding 13 new ones and Germany is and France is and the EU is reverse their decision about that's the reality. There, there's yeah. no other choice. And oh, by the way, they need to rebuild about 40% of their just electrical power wires because yeah. they're ancient. So they're going to have to do it. Here's the good thing about California. Their taxes are so high. They have more money than God. They have more liquidity on a revenue basis than the United States government has. So, <laughs> so but the, you issue, know, the, the one thing, the one thing that keeps coming up though is, and you mentioned storing energy and, and yeah. keeping that electricity, but we're already at critical mass at this point. I mean, even in the state of New York, state of New York actually has to borrow electricity yeah. from, from the state of Pennsylvania. And it, and it's on an as needed basis. You know, we have generators that are sitting on barges in the Hudson right now that are there for emergency purposes only when we do need additional electricity. I just think that when you're taking a look at, okay, let's say in the state of California by 2035, you're selling one, one million Tesla. You still need to build the infrastructure that's going to be able to supply the energy for those Teslas to run. Yes. And right now there's no plan for that. It's a great government thing. It's very symbolic to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Every car, you know, it's great for the the um, the environment, yada, yada, yada. But you know, as well as I do, wind energy and solar energy account for less than 5% of all energy in this country that's manufactured. So if that's the case, you have to wonder, where's it going to come from? If they can't supply what they have now, well, how are they going to do something in 13 years? Well, you know, there was this bill that was passed. I'm sure, you know, you've forgotten about it already called the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which may be the, <laughs> may be the euphemism of the century. I agree with that. But there is big money. So if you take the 390 billion and then you use the multiplier effect of green bonds, which pensions are buying every green bond you can put out there, you know, the green bond is that you're financing a renewable energy project. Yeah. There will be 12, 15 trillion dollars of money spent between now and 2035 to build renewable energy. And wind is fantastic where you have wind. In Texas, wind is, excuse me, about 18% of their entire power tank. Yeah. Oklahoma would be great. There ain't no wind in California, except when you're off offshore, right? So that's not <laughs> going to be, be a big part. But nuclear, I mean, with all that money, I'm talking about 20, 15 to $20 trillion, Todd. Yeah. This stuff is going to get built. It's got tremendous tax advantages. And, and frankly, you know, as a homeowner in California, when you uh, install, and even in Arizona here, if you install so the rate that you can sell back your electricity makes you it earns you about five hundred dollars a month in mm -hmm. cash mm -hmm. money. So yeah. why would anyone a homeowner in California, Arizona, other places? Why would you not have solar? It, you would be insane. Um, and literally, you, you get well, your it's bill. It's expensive. It's, 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 yeah, you, it's expensive bill, to install. It, yeah, well, it's not, I mean, no, no. You, you do a thirty-year lease. You know, ninety-nine dollar fifty cent monthly payment with a with a fifteen-year. You don't have to buy it. You can just lease it. You lease it. They put it up. They install it. 
it's part of your lease. And then yeah. you're getting these checks back or I mean, on your electric bill. That's that is reality time. I don't mm-hmm. know about it in New York because it's a little cold during, you know, most of the time. <laughs> but it, in the southwest, in the southeast that has a lot of sun and these tax credits you get, it's insane. I, 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 I have a brother who's building a house in Park City. Mm-hmm. And I have been his consultant on, on his renewable energy. And the for the 7500 bucks he's putting in, by the time you take the tax credits back and the energy savings and the energy you sell back, he's going to be making about a 25% return on his investment every year. Wow. Anyone who has a home can set that up now as long as you live in an area you have enough uh, sunlight. And, right. and that's what you're not figuring in. It's it's you, the financial incentives to uh, create renewable power and sell it back, particularly like, you know, if you have five kids in your house and so on and so forth, you got... 28 different screens running all day. So maybe your electric bill is bad. But in, in Arizona and California, you can do a deal with your public utility that uh, allows you to do a flat payment. Like for, for our house, it's $175 a month, whether it's the summer or the winter. And it flattens it all out. That's great. They mm. do that on any of these places. I don't think because you live in, in New York that you understand what's going on in these sunny parts of no, America. No, we didn't realize that the sun shined everywhere else. I had no yeah, idea. Right. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, that's for sure. Well, it sounds like, yeah, that's... That sounds like a great idea because each house can actually create its own personal power plant, it sounds like, and, 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 sell, and, and sell back sell. that energy. Yeah, and resell yeah. that energy. So that's wonderful. Well, let's so, switch well, top. Oh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Well, I'm just trying to say, you're looking at it sort of a parochially. If you look at where these, these laws are coming in, they have huge cash and huge uh, desire to, you know, be uh, renewable. I mean, that's part of the ethos of California. Um, yeah. So- I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. It's going to be expensive. And, you know, I don't want to drive a freaking internal combustion car in 2034 and need gas. <laughs> That's true. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, Tesla stock was down six, under 6% on the week um, based on really sold off on the news that California said you can't charge it. Uh, charge your, you know, the, the yeah. electric, the EVs. Uh, so who's to say that's going to, it sounds like that was more of a short-term blip, but could be a buying opportunity and entry point for Tesla share. If you're going to own some Tesla shares, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's switch some, let's switch the subject, but kind of stay on it with autos. So you had auto sales that for the month of August are coming in 990,000, much softer than expected, but yet you have the price tag for a new car oh. is averaging just under 47,000 hours. It's up almost 12% year over year. The, the question now, when you start looking at these car companies, are they still good investments? I mean, you have so much pressure on with the EVs that you're talking about, Ford, GM. I mean, is it now should you just be headed for the hills because interest rates yeah. are so high, the price tags are so high. I don't know. I would think you're going to see car sales might fall into a mini little recession of their own, just like housing did. Well, it, it, remember the, the, the auto, the vehicle business, construction of vehicles, both trucks, cars, everything else, is 9% of the of CPI of our GDP. There's no question. The price point is insane. I go down to a, a, my local Trader Joe's, which is pretty much, I can't live more than like five miles away from a Trader Joe's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is like auto auto dealership lane. All you see are uh, tons of cars and trucks and SUVs, actually just SUVs. Nobody out here in Scottsdale has a car, except for the Porsches and the Lamborghinis and all that stuff. Everybody else has an SUV or a crossover. And they're just sitting on the lot. You know, I was looking at a BMW, a used BMW uh, X6, which is their SUV, basically. The used one is $58,000. The thing had 
40,000 miles on it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bearish on, I'm bearish on GM. I'm, I, you know, Ford has some other upsides because they're so deep in the EV space and they, and they had that lightning truck coming out, which they already have 150,000 pre-orders for, by the way. Impressive. Um, so I, I think Ford is viable here. I, I like the Chinese. Um, look at, if you look BYD, which is getting hit this week because uh, Mr. Buffett, who put $80 million into it 15 years ago, is now cashing out $8 billion. Not, not a bad deal. Uh, yeah. But if you look at, at ZXI, they have in China, the number one selling electric vehicle is the equivalent of about $3,500. You know, wow. they're comfortable riding around with, you know, a two-seater and so on and so forth. The ZXY, uh, XI, I'm sorry, has a, they're, they're, they're big on crossover. And Xpeng is the same thing. You pull into, there's only 35,000 charging stations. But better than that, they have battery swap. So when you pull in, you, you literally, you buy the car and you lease your battery. And, and so when you're running low, you pull in, they guy comes in, it takes five minutes, he pulls your battery out, he puts a new one in, you're on your way. China has, has solved this problem. And as I'm going to, again, say in California, you're going to see these, these leased batteries. It's going to be in every one of these vehicles because that's how it's going to work, is that mm -hmm. it's the Chinese model. So I like the Chinese model. I like BYD. I bought some today on this pullback. Okay. They sell for a 4 PE. Their, re wow. their, their revenues are off the ch you know chain. Um, and, and they had the slowdowns because obviously China decides that they have to close for their biggest cities because one person has COVID, which I'm surprised those people just <laughs> haven't, haven't rioted. I, you know, I... <laughs> I'm, well, I'm you know looking, they can't there. <laughs> yeah, well, I do remember that Tiananmen Square, sadly. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I, but anyway, you know, autos are, are, are a tough buy here. I mean, the ones that if I'm okay. going to own any, I'd be owning Volkswagen because okay. they have international sales. They're huge in China. They have, they're well on their way on EV. Uh, and then I'd own Ferrari because let me tell you, at the top of the, the heap with, with a lot of zeros, their sales keep going up. I'm starting to see Lamborghini SUVs around town. It's the damnedest thing. These things look like the look like they're military SUVs. They're like flat gray <laughs> and, and all slow slung. They look like they have, you know, machine guns should come out of the turret. Fantastic. At the high end, at the high end nobody's, you know, nobody's hurting to buy a $300,000 uh, Lamborghini. Wow, that is, yeah, you're, you definitely got that right. Well, that's interesting. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out for the month of September. Maybe things will improve, especially the Fed can continue to hike those rates that we were mentioning earlier. Maybe there'll be some deflation in, in car prices. I don't see it happening, but uh, who so knows? Could be wrong. <laughs> the metal costs more. The labor costs more. Yeah. Everything costs the chips. more. I know the everything. Chips. Everything does. You're right about that. So, well, we'll, we'll definitely follow up on this topic. That's for sure. Well, thanks again, ladies and gentlemen, for sticking with us here at BHS Live. Coming up next, all the word is all about in the sports world. It's about Serena Williams. Her magical run at the U.S. Open has just been wonderful. We're going to talk about that after the break and we're going to see if there's a way that you can profit from her success please stay with us Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Naomi Knight through a roller coaster journey 
journey of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis, from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss, is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Welcome back to BHF's Live. I'm talking about the U.S. Open these days, the U.S. Open tennis tournament for those that are non-tennis affiliated. And I got to tell you right now, Serena Williams, it's her magical run, Toby. All eyes, everybody is saying the stars are aligned just perfectly for her. If you watched the match the other night where she took down the number two in the world, it was just a phenomenal experience. She's now made it to the third round of the Open. And now a lot of forecasters are thinking she's going to run with this thing. This will be her last tournament, her last Grand Slam tournament, obviously, and and last uh, professional event. And and everybody is obviously pulling for Serena. She has so many great sponsors, though, and there might be a way to capitalize on this success. You look at companies like a Nike, Gatorade, which is owned by Pepsi right now, Bumble's out there, Apple, because she backs, she has Beats by Dre. I mean, what do you think, Toby? I mean, is there a Serena index that maybe we should be investing in these days? Well, I will tell you this first off, just when you were saying those words about Serena, I got literally chills. Yeah, we were at a, at a fancy steak restaurant on Wednesday night and uh, sort of eating at the bar as we normally do, or near the bar. And they had the big widescreen up. Everybody was watching it. I mean, yeah. everybody. I, I was just blown away. I, I'm an old, old tennis player, and to see what she's doing is mind-blowing. I know, I know. 40 years old and a mom. I mean, it's truly remarkable. Truly remarkable. Well, she, uh, you know, she grew up in... uh, Have you seen the movie? I'm going to see it this week about Serena. King Richard. Yeah, King Richard. I I definitely want... I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. Anyway, Nike is getting... there's There's a service that counts how many screens you're on uh, around the world. And Nike is getting something like $5 billion of free advertising every Incredible. freaking time Serena goes on, right? I'm long Nike. Now, you, I think you've recommended Nike in the past anyway. I have, uh, I have. It, 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 first off, there's going to be this rush. There's going to be the commemorative Serena uh, thong and yeah. warm-up jacket <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and racket and bag yeah. and look, et cetera. Yeah. The, every little girl is, mm-hmm. you know, wants to be a Serena. And yeah. you couldn't, I mean, I would love to be in a marketing meeting with the Nike the marketing executives right now. Right. They just got to be drooling. And no one expects her to get out of the first round. I to know. See her, to, to see her come back and power yeah. her way through. 
when she made the number two girl in the world looks like she was on you know Xanax or something. I mean, it, it was. And to, and to do it in New York City, I mean, you think of the the U.S. Open in New York. You know that quarterfinal when it's in at at night. You know, you think of yeah. Jimmy Connors. You think it's just some you know uh, Andre Agassi. You know, some great yeah. matches in that second week. I mean, if she makes it into the second week, I mean, you're looking at ticket prices close to fifty thousand dollars right now in the resale market, and this is a just a an awesome run because everybody's backing her. New Yorkers are cheering her on. Yeah. It's loud. It's just it's it's just great and it's boisterous. I know you're getting chills. Giving right? me and chills. It's, I mean, I... it's wonderful. And then if you start looking at the people that are the companies that are sponsoring her, you you hit the nail on the head. Nike with all their everybody's checking out Nike right now. And then you, like you said, there'll be a whole line of post U.S. Open Serena merchandise. You, this will be the time you want to start thinking. Let's invest in Nike right now. I would yeah. think they are the number one out of all of them. But Delta's another one that sponsors her. IBM, Intel. I mean, some brand names that are out there. Yeah, but nobody, everybody's going to say Nike's going to be the big one. Oh, winner. yes. Yeah, nobody says, oh, yes, Serena, it's, it's IBM. I'm going to go buy a freaking $50 million <laughs> IBM computer, okay? Right. But here's the other thing. Here's the other thing about Nike is they've been masterful in expanding their direct-to-consumer DTC selling, meaning that there's, you know, you're buying directly from Nike on the Nike app on the at the Nike store, and they're yeah. keeping all that margin. When you buy it at Foot Locker, you know, they, they get 40% of, that, of, of the margin. When you buy it from Nike, they get 99.5% minus your credit card fee. So I, I, I'm totally with you, Todd. I think that, I mean, we saw this with Tiger. When Tiger just came out of the world, came out of the, you know, just crazy in that second year of his career, wins the US Open, wins the, the Masters, blah, blah, blah. Nike sales were ridiculous. They didn't have any yeah. golf clothes before, you know? All yeah. of a sudden, every kid is wearing a Nike shirt. Yeah. And uh, blah blah blah. So no, I I'm long Nike and, and yes. this thing. God, if she goes into next week, I'm buying oh, the long term. I'm buying the long term options. By the way, the leaps for next year, a year from now, uh, because you know Christmas is already all the Christmas stuff's already been you know made. Uh, they'll come up with some stuff quickly to, to at high premium prices. The legacy of Serena now is is Wonder Woman. I mean, it's just amazing yeah. to see and to be you know pioneering black woman from Compton, California. Yeah, the story. They're, you know, they're running this Mike Tyson thing on Hulu, right? Mike Tyson, he used to live right near us in Bethesda, Maryland. The guy had a tiger in his backyard. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. he bites a guy's ear off and the thing. Not exactly the role model you, know, you want, right? Yeah. And nothing that Mike Tyson endorsed did anything at all. But he was a phenomenon. Serena Williams is like the complete opposite. Oh, by the way, she's married to the founder of Reddit. Just by himself is worth about $5 billion. I think she is she is the ultimate sports success story, really, other than Tiger Woods that I've ever you know seen in my life, and and this thing is now completely agree. She's got she's got the billion dollar smile. She's got the fashion to go along with it. Terrific personality. I know there's so many things. The attributes are just endless for her. I see a lot of great things. We'll see if she can actually tie Margaret Court's uh, Grand Slam record with a victory at the Open. But we'll we'll definitely follow up. Yeah, on well, she's this, now, that's now sure. she's no pressure on her now whatsoever. That's and, true. That's absolutely she's right. Exceeded everybody's expectations, and probably maybe yeah. her own, but maybe not. Yeah, yeah. But we'll so, see. We'll see what. Now happens. it's all gravy. Now it's all gravy. God, if she made it to the finals, could you imagine oh. what the ratings would be around the world? <laughs> Uh, I know, right? I know you have to think about that. I mean, that because that will be actually that will be competing at at that time, be competing with the NFL. So it'd be kind of funny to see what happens. So who tennis knows? is worldwide. No one other in the yeah. United States and Canada gives a shit about American football. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Well, let's talking about football. Let's segue into that college yeah. football. Toby, I'm watching last night. There's a couple of games on big time college football games. It's a Thursday night. It's in the summer. I'm watching this Purdue uh, Penn State game. And and I, I, as I'm watching and I see this kid for Penn State, it's a great game. Penn State ended up winning. I'm not sure if he watched it or not. But the quarterback for Penn State, he's his fifth year senior. And I'm watching yeah. these kids. And as you know, I got a boy that's going through the recruiting process now for yeah. cross. And it's just it's it, when you're on that site, it's just you look at things a little bit differently, I think. And I'm looking at these kids and I'm thinking, you know, at Penn State, they their revenue for that football team is well over a hundred million a year. And here you got this, everybody is banking on this college kid to throw to throw touchdowns, you know, to, to just look like Joe Namath out there. And it's truly an amazing uh thing when you start looking at college sports. But now things are changing in the college sports landscape, mainly because of these NIL deals, which stands for name, image, and likeness. These kids individually are bringing in millions of dollars on their own. You've got the TV rights that are there. You have all these transfers that are going, kids are moving from one school to the other. Conferences are expanding. Just today, right before we went on the air, we get the, the alert that college football is going to expand its playoffs from four teams out to 12 teams. And they're thinking of doing it as soon as 2024. And it's only, a, only a two seasons away. I mean, really remarkable. The money in college sports, the economics are so big, Toby. Do you think that with all of this, that this is going to change college sports in the long run? Oh, no, it's it's way beyond, is it going to change? Uh, all the sports directors of many of the largest colleges, football colleges particularly, but basketball, by the way, is also huge. Again, mm-hmm. just looking at ratings, it's not as big as college football, but it's big. But anyway, they come out to, they came out to Phoenix and they basically said, there's no rules. And number one, rule number one, though, is there's no more such thing as an amateur athlete in college. The the quarterback uh, at USC was has been a phenomenal athlete through his whole life. His dad was a, a, a college quarterback, yada, yada, yada. He's charismatic. His choice, there was the Oklahoma, the, the Alabama, and the USC coaches going after this kid. And the reason why he chose Southern California was, dude, look at my licensing fees. He, he came in and he had six licensing deals before he stepped on the field. He's a freshman. Incredible. He hasn't even played football yet at USC. Wow. And he's got over $5 million a year in... Uh, <laughs> Name, image, and likeness deals uh, wow. already. So it's completely changed. Why did USC and UCLA go to the Big Ten? Which is hilarious now because what is there, 15 teams? You're in the Big Ten? 16. 16. 16, yeah. Yeah. Why? Because that television deal, $7 billion. I know. I'm, I'm going to be long Endeavor. Endeavor is a, is a big talent agency that is publicly traded. The money that the agents are making off of these uh, name, likeness, and image deals is oh, uh, yeah. phenomenal. And, yet, and you're talking about a lot of college there's a hell of a lot more college football players than there are nfl players and teams amateurism is gone this is pay to play that is the business model now of certainly college football and then to a second degree college basketball wow i uh yeah it's incredible right yeah we we have a training facility down here for uh uh, for baseball pitchers baseball hitters and then the the same facility they use for quarterbacks the guy who owns it i saw recently i said how many how many quarterback kids do you have in this we've doubled our size we have seven 72 kids in our quarterback program and huh. every one of them thinks they're going to get a get a nil you know a nils deal yeah so their parents are paying me 15 grand a head so i'm like doing the math quickly and i said yeah. what is your cost bill 
mean, you have a big freaking, you know, open stage down the street. You, yeah. you got a water bill and electric bill. That's it. And everything yeah. else is just guys throwing a football around. You got to be making stupid money. And he said, wait till we start representing these kids for their nil, uh, Nils deals. Because why not? You're the one who taught him to be a quarterback. You're the one who taught yeah. him, you know, to hit a baseball freaking, you know, three miles. It, it, you know, his, so he's making a, 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 a business model of finding them, teaching them, Incredible. setting them up for, for the college deal and yeah. getting a percent on the nils. And then, of course, they'll get a percent if they stay their manager. It's, How about and that? It's, that is crazy. And it's not just football and basketball, too. It's actually all sports right now. I see it in soccer. I saw it in lacrosse this year. I mean, it's funny because you start looking at youth sports and the amount of money to be on these elite teams and go to the elite prospect camps oh. is, is out of control right now. And there's no end in sight. And if you're a parent with a young kid that's getting yeah. into athletics, oh my goodness. I mean, it's like a college tuition bill every month that you're paying, even when the kid is six years old, because you start thinking this way. Like it was one thing to try to get your kid to go play for Duke and play lacrosse there. Now it's another thing. Now you're thinking of the biggest NIL deal that you can get. And it's and that's how parents, I think, are thinking. It's probably the wrong way because what it's doing is throwing education out the window. I mean, the whole point of all of this was to get into college. And yeah, now well, nobody even well, talks about that anymore. Todd, I don't, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news for you. <laughs> What's the point of going to college? No, if it's you crazy. know a kid who's gone through, who plays major level college sports and has gone through college, the, the classes that they take are basically breathing and sleeping 101. Uh, and the, they, they have the tutors, they have the, the you know, Mm-hmm. Their class load is nothing. It, again, I, I know I have a, a dear friend whose kid is now recruited a big time uh, baseball player uh, to SC, and he is not the brightest kid in, on the block. He's a great kid, but he's <laughs> you know, book work's not his major skill. Yeah, and uh, he's going to graduate. Yeah, and he's going to get a C, and the C comes from the professor who gets the call from the coach and says, yeah. "Buck is going to get a C, right? Yeah. Okay, thanks." So they live in a different world. Now, really on the is. other side, if you're a golfer, you get squat but my favorite is Colin Morikawa who uh now is a you know big time PGA player he got straight A's at UC Berkeley and got an MBA while playing on the golf team and, yeah. and making no money yeah. so there's still going to be the sports where uh they they do there's the girls for the uh, NCAA are out here in, at our golf course here and uh, Greyhawk and they're not getting any money I mean they're you know yeah. maybe they can go in the PGA tour but most of them are joke because they love it and they get those guys get good education the football yeah. players and basketball players mm, yeah Absolutely. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. I know it, it has, it just has quickly changed just in a, in a couple of years. And yeah. I see it with the NIL deal. And, and then obviously with the coaches and they're getting paid, I mean, 10 million Kirby Smart, I think it's up to 12 million at Georgia. I mean, it's just, it's crazy the play. amount of money. It's it a really new is. Model. Pay for play. And yeah, no doubt about that. You know, but the other thing I guess we talk is these, these sponsors are putting out all this serious cash. Yeah. They don't even know if it works. Yeah. Well, it, you know, they, they're getting the exposure. It used to be years ago in, in certain sports in high school, if you were a standout, you would get equipment. You would get, yeah. you know, if you're a baseball player, oh, yeah. you get like the nice glove, uh, uh, the new bat, whatever, you know, and you, on football, you'd wear the cleats, sure. you know, things like that. It's completely changed now. I mean, now they're just giving out checks. These kids are driving around in Ferraris. It's not. It's, it's just. It's it's mind blowing actually right now. But well, I don't anyway, know what it, it says about society, but business wise, I'm long Endeavor and I'm long Nike. Okay. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, I like that. I like those two picks. That's for sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming up after the break. It's going to be prediction time. Toby and I will give you our buy hold sell prediction for that. Please stay with us. 
On any given day in Washington, policy proposals are created, debated, and decimated by tens of thousands of people and organizations working behind the scenes. On 80 Proof Politics, a guest and I will visit a D.C. watering hole and distill the art of advocacy by pulling back the curtain a bit and taking a look at how they play their part in the sausage factory we call our federal government. So if you're at all interested in how the sausage is made, pull up a chair, grab a drink, and join us. After all, what goes better with sausage than a tall, cold one? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's prediction time. Toby, let's make some money. What's your buy, hold, sell today? Since I've been pimping my Brexit stocks, which are up 86% this year, so, you know, I'm Beautiful. Uh, very happy for myself. Very well uh, done. What's going on in Europe is just a, an absolute oncoming tsunami disaster because of they're having to cut their electrical power because they can't afford the gas uh, and they shut down so much of their nuclear power. Well, what's happening is, is when it comes to basic stuff like fertilizer and ammonia and things that you have to have to grow billions of pounds of, of wheat and corn and everything else the world needs, you need fertilizer, nitrogen fertilizer, you need ammonia, you need what's called UAN, which is basically ammonia. And a company called LSB Industries, the ticker symbol is LXU. Okay. They are, the, the, the key is of the Brexit trade is to take advantage of the, you know, the 10 times lower natural gas prices and 10 times lower electric prices in North America, because we're now exporting record amount of nitrogen and ammonia and everything else to Europe. Because I don't know if you read today, but shockingly, the Nord One gas line. Yep. It has these technical difficulties, and now it's, it's <laughs> closed again for another, you know, who knows, right? I did so see LSU, that. So all of these ones, I've, I've talked about, I mean, my hold is going to be UAN. I recommended that last uh, week, and they're similar. But what I love about LSB is that they literally um, have fixed costs, and now everything they're selling, let's just give you an example. They had $17 million of cash flow in Q2 of 2021. In Q2 of 2022, they have 178 million dollars of cash flow. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if you do math, Todd, but that, that's a big, <laughs> it's a big multiple, right? They're going to pay a dividend. UAN pays an amazing dividend. I, I, that's why I'm holding it. Uh, but L, L, LXU, and it was up five percent today, really on sort of no news. But now all of a sudden, people, who, portfolio managers, are looking around and saying, "I can't own semiconductor chips. I can't own uh, travel at this point. I can't." I mean, you go through the list of what you can't own, and it's mm-hmm. Big time. What yeah. can you own? You can own something, a company that ha- that has a structural advantage where the Russian, all the sanctions, 25% of the power plants in uh, Europe are closed. 40% of the steel plants are closed. About 60% of the nitrogen ammonia are closed. They can't afford, they're losing money producing the product. So what steps into the middle? It's North American, um, nitrogen, ammonia, natural gas, LNG, coal, uranium, the whole schmazel is what the Brexit trade is, the Russian exit. And as the West exits Russia, and then of course, by the way, we have record heat wave, we have record yeah. low, you know, water in rivers. My God, you know, the, the largest German river is now not passable for about 800 miles. And, and that's how they, that's how they move coal. That's how they move wheat, the Rhine River. I mean, it's crazy. You know what? Uh, we're investors and the, uh, owning UAN, which is my hold. And then my cell, it's funny, we're talking about, about automobiles, but I was thinking that, that uh, Ford, you know, because it has a lot of 
competitive advantages was going to make it. But I, I think Florida's got some real problems still. And I, I don't I don't okay. want to own that until they get those problems really known. Yeah. And they're as, as you point out, I mean, the, the sales numbers are high. But what I've tried to tell investors here is you have to look at their sales minus the inflation rate because because on the cost side, they have that cost inflation. And that means yeah. margins are coming down. And, and Ford with, with steel prices. Oh, yeah. By the way, the steel plants are closed now, too. The aluminum plants are closed in Europe. So we own, you know, steel, the U.S. Steel X is a ticker symbol. We use STLD, Steel Dynamics. We own Alcoa, for God's sakes, because, there go. because there's a secular shifter. That's what Brexit is. And these two, three, four PE stocks, some of them that pay up to 30% dividends. Are you kidding me? That's incredible. Or, or you can buy NVIDIA and have, have your stock go down, you know, 65% in the last six months. I mean, right. everything that you learn to do from 2010 to 2022, it, that playbook is over. We're in a new Brexit playbook because that's where the pricing power is. That's where the demand is. Uh, that's And that war is not ending anytime soon. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. Well, those are, those are the good picks, stuff they keep in mind. All right, this is what I got for you today. My buy is going to be Lululemon. We talked about it on buy, hold, sell about yeah. a month and a half ago. Definitely going forward, the company expects revenue in the range of $1.78 billion to $1.81 billion. Wall Street analysts were looking at $1.73 billion. And this was before the earnings release came out. The stock was up big today, up over 9%. Company continues to expand, continues to offer uh, uh, the items that uh, that really really starting to drill down on their accessory lineup. So when I see that, especially going into the fourth quarter, quarter into the holiday shopping season, Lululemon is going to be the winner of the day. All right, my hold, ExxonMobil. Okay, oil is oil was lower this week, but OPEC is going to meet on Monday. They're going to start talking about um, output and um, and they're thinking of looking at output cuts. If that's the case, you're probably going to see oil prices shoot up a little higher. That should help ExxonMobil. We've seen gas prices go down daily now, I think for what, 50 straight days or something going into the Labor Day weekend. That's great, but I recommended ExxonMobil. If you did buy it, Definitely want to continue to hold it. Yeah, I would, I would say this, Todd. The, the biggest risk in the oil world is, you know, will the United States and Iran have this nuclear treaty put back on, which then allow Iran to sell directly into the markets? I suppose what they do now is they ship a tanker of the oil. It goes into a, a bay and another ship shows up and they transfer the oil and then they sell it. Yeah. If if the Iran deal is approved and, you know, it, it looks like there's there's two or three, they've gotten a lot closer, let's put it that way. There's two or three issues still that have to be resolved. It's not a done deal, but we own put options on oil okay. uh, simply as a hedge in case that happens. Because if, if the Iran deal does come through, then you're going to see $75, 70 75 The, the, the Saudis and, and OPEC will not allow oil to go under $70. But, uh, but remember, at Exxon, oil's 20% of their revenues. They have more natural right. gas. It's the refineries that are absolutely printing money. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm with you on Exxon, but I wouldn't worry about uh, oil particularly. Uh, their natural gas and their refining is just, you know, redonkulous. Uh, hey, it pays and, and a decent cool. dividend. Pays a decent dividend yeah, as well. Decent, yeah, yeah, so I, yeah, so one of those companies that you could buy it, hold on to it. It's a great core holding for any portfolio. That's for yeah. sure. So continue to hold on to that. All right, my sell is going to be, you're going to love this. Beyond Meat, I'd imagine this is a big California company that you'd love <laughs> to talk about. Uh, 
<laughs> Stock was down after the uh, investment. I am from not Bailey beyond Gifford. Me, okay. I am not beyond <laughs> me. <laughs> well, Bailey Gifford, they reported an equity stake less than half of what they had at the, at the end of last year. Stock's down 64% year to date. If you haven't sold it yet, you definitely want to sell it now. It's just, they're yeah. out of cash Cr- and great advice, even their biggest Sean, investors great, are running away. Great advice. It's down 64%. <laughs> now you're telling us to sell it? Now great. I'm telling you to sell. Now yeah. I think it's going to go down even lower. Stock's in the 20s right now. Definitely, probably it's going to. It was down five percent on the day today. Uh, their biggest investor, obviously, is already bailing out on them. You have to get starting to head for the X. You have to start yeah. thinking. That's one of those companies you want to stay far away from. All right, coming up next week, we uh, not a lot going on on the macroeconomic data. Clearly, your weekly jobless claims are going to be on Thursday. We got a beige book on Wednesday. You got ISM Services Index coming out on Tuesday, but nothing else, Toby. Any predictions for the markets? You think we're going to see another? Is this going to be our fourth straight losing week coming up next week? Well, uh, Tato, uh, remember I said that me and everybody else, that 42.31 on the S&P was the 50% replacement. And if it didn't hold, then the statistics say that you're going to then retest the low of 3,600. What I'm most concerned about, again, is this uh, Wall Street had their uh, just head in the sand corporate profits after inflation. We haven't even begun to sort of get that priced in. So we we at 17% down, we have, you know, let's say growth recession. I love that term. But with Europe going solidly in the tank, uh, S&P 500 gets 24% of their earnings out of Europe. Yeah. You start taking European earnings down. Uh, you start taking North American earnings down. And you would have to get to 3,600 to price in a real recession. But if Europe doesn't solve its issues... Then you could, you know, we could easily see a 3,200 S&P, which is another 25, wow. 25 to 30 percent down. Um, wow! Because we're just kidding ourselves about the sales being up 6.1 percent, but after inflation, sales are actually down 2 percent. Yeah. Uh, and profit margins are up X percent, but th- that's before you get to the bottom line. And when you get the bottom line and you add in the cost of goods sold, cost of goods sold is up six and a half percent. So that has not, in my opinion, been priced in yet. Okay. We talked about before that this big run up. Uh, from the June bottom was the classic, classic bear market rally. It was fueled by retailers and the uh, retail investors in the, f- the first part of it. And then the algos and the black boxes and the rules-based momentum money came in hard, $2 trillion-ish, according to macro research. And all of a sudden, and that was all because everybody thought there was, you know, gonna, we were playing under the pivot. Well, the pivot is gone. The pivot is yeah. to raising rates h- higher, faster, and more. And Paul Volcker 2.0 has emerged. And history, yep. you know, when you start evoking history, Todd, if you read into that, what, what Pal is really saying is, and I am not going to go down in history yeah. as the Arthur Burns Fed chairman who let <laughs> inflation out of the bag for seven to eight years and whipped out. You got to grow some cojones and freaking, as I've said from the beginning of this these podcasts, you have to smother the economy enough, the, the United States economy enough to take demand down because yeah. demand is price, is, uh, inflation is, is supply demand imbalance. And yeah. we have to get demand low. Uh, and, and that's coming out of housing. And that's coming out of auto. Those are the two big parts of the CPI: uh, shelter costs and vehicle, you know, production. Those have to come down. So, so I'm going to. We'll see. I think 3,600 is the next spot. Uh, wow, and, might be a rough and, week then. Yeah, it's 
you know, and you're going to have, remember in bear markets, you have these massive short covering rallies, but yeah. we haven't had a VIX anywhere near, you know, the volatility index. When, when the whole thing is going to hell in a handbasket, the VIX is only 25. Yeah. Every, every bear market has ended when the VIX was at 40. So come on, man. Come you on, know? man. It's right. Well, we will yeah. see. We'll see what happens and we'll talk more about it next week. That's for sure. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us here on BHS Live. On behalf of Tobin Smith, I'm Todd Schoenberger. We wish you a very happy and safe Labor Day weekend. Enjoy it and we'll catch you next week. Take Absolutely. Care. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.